0: This is for fox sake. Hello and welcome
1: to for fox sake. My name is Pete Selby and I'm alongside Rob Hayes in for fox sake HQ2. Rob, how are you doing? Are you uh, are you protecting yourself
0: from the sun? I am but I'm absolutely stifling in for fox sake HQ for fox sake HQ2. Why did we name it that? Um it is a <laughs> converted reason. loft room um so it's a bit of a sweat box and i've 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 tried it with the windows closed to give you the optimal um the optimal ambient sound or lack thereof but um i was sweating too much and i might have passed out so the windows are open so you might hear the wheelie bin cleaner or the ice cream man coming past but you know we'll uh we'll move on from that uh, have you found yourself a perch in the sunshine Pete, or are you hiding indoors like me
1: i'm hiding inside for fox 8 hq main headquarters I was going to be in the garden but I decided because all the neighbours are actually in their gardens etc and you don't want people listening to this uh, possible rant in a bit but uh, it's alright it's, it's 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 beautiful weather but uh, it is actually slightly warm in here to be honest now you've mentioned it if the ice cream man does come by I'd like a 99 please I want the full flake I want um, a bit of strawberry uh, sauce as well sauce um, on top and uh yeah I mean
0: even if they will sprinkle of hundreds and thousands if they do that so that, that'd be, that'd be ace I'm sure we can treat it. he's also reasonably northernly priced and you can still get a 99 with all of that for 99p never in a million years really yeah I mean you get a little bit if if you ask for a one pound 20 or a 1 pound 50 you get a, a bigger whip of the ice cream but you still I mean 99 p is enough. This is a
1: conversation we should be having. Let's not talk about football. Let's not bother. Let's just talk about ice creams and the sun and that sort of, and, and pubs reopening, that sort of thing. Not not none of this tragic, dull, boring football that uh, that it's been it's, let's just be honest, Rob. It's been dreadful. And that's not we've not mentioned Leicester yet. Just in general, it has been poor. It's been a lot poorer than the Bundesliga and La Liga. It's, whether it's, I don't know, the weather conditions, whether it's just it will pick up in the next few games, hopefully it will do, but it has been pretty dire stuff, hasn't it?
0: It has, and I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed because when the Bundesliga came back a few weeks ago, I watched the first few games back um, and I couldn't really get into it, but that's probably, be- I-, I thought at the time, it's because I've not watched Bundesliga football before in any great detail, you know, I've watched the odd clip of the odd match here or there but I don't really have any interest in it and so I thought okay so there's a lack of crowd atmosphere there um, that might affect things. The fact that I don't care who wins and I I know probably if it's one of the big teams I know most of the players but if it's one of the little teams one or two if I'm lucky I thought just because I didn't have a real interest in the game itself that that's why I found it less enjoyable to watch because technically and in terms of the pace of the game majority of the Bundesliga matches that I've seen have been pretty good but so I was really excited for the Premier League to come back because I thought even if it's not a Leicester game which I obviously have a, a huge interest in and, and, a, and a sort of uh, following of one of the teams if uh, if I thought if it was any Premier League game I would know most of the players. It would have some kind of impact on our season or, you know, the football that we talk about day in, day out. There's the ice cream van, by the way. Um, so it's been a real, real disappointment, the Premier League, because I wanted, I, I thought that that shift in mentality from Bundesliga to Premier League in terms of my personal interest in it would make it more watchable. And, and if anything, it's been the other way around. Go and ask Mr Whippy what he reckons. Mr Ronksley, what he... his
1: name is. You know the name of your ice cream man.
0: Yeah, he's got it plastered in big letters on oh. the front of the van. Is <laughs>
1: is like a, a mine that child on the back. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a proper proper classic
0: one. I mean, he is about 80, so I don't think he's changed his van in about 60 years. No one's
1: told him that the prices should have gone up either.
0: <laughs> Clearly not.
1: Um it, it, it has been poor. We'll, we'll we'll go on to Leicester now. We'll take the both games I think as kind of one because they've only just happened and also there's going to be a lot more games coming up and they did come in in fairly quick succession and also they were relatively similar um Watford we can really sum up in the last few minutes a brilliant goal by Chilwell. what a what a hit where has that come from but an an incredible goal unfortunately cancelled because of the Again, equally kind of incredible, if you're a Watford fan especially. But it was an acrobatic goal. Schmeichel nearly kept it out. Nearly a fantastic save. And it's always going to be disappointed if you concede a goal in injury time. Especially after you've scored in injury time. It's A draw was absolutely the right result, I think. Um, it it was just concentrate on the goal. A good ball by Gray, who played very well when he came on. But just that first touch and then bang... I don't recall Chilwell ever really doing that before. Now whether it was in his head of a why not? Why why not bother why 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 just take a shot? Or or whether he's always had that in his locker and he's just developing in front of our eyes as a, a better footballer, or whether he he's putting on a bit of a show for ruler for, for clubs. Who knows? But
0: where did that come from, Rob? It was a surprise, definitely. And you know when he when he got it and they were backing off, I thought please don't shoot. Because, like you say, we've never seen anything like that from him before, really. Um, yeah, excellent ball by Gray. And I would say one of the few positives from that Watford game was um, the the apparent um, appetite and hunger that Gray had, not only to make an impact on the game, but also to, to take people on and move forwards and be on the front foot, which is something that we've um, that we've spoken about before him, maybe not doing so much and maybe criticised him for on this podcast. But um, I think the reason Chilwell actually shot was Brendan Rogers told him to in the second half drinks break because it was getting more and more apparent he was getting more room on that left-hand side. And, and Rogers said that he'd seen an opportunity a few minutes before where he thought Chilwell should have shot, but actually played a pass. Um, so it was a direct instruction from the manager which totally proves why we end up sat behind microphones talking rubbish about football and Brendan Rodgers ends up managing football teams. Because I was shouting, don't shoot at the telly, but while Brendan Rodgers was saying, shoot, chill well. And look what happened. It's incredibly
1: disappointing because it would have been a really, really good three points to start with. Schmeichel had a very good uh, game, a really good save of a one-on-one. Um, and then quickly you move into the Brighton game and... I've been thinking in the few hours before we started this podcast, sitting in the garden after after coming back from uh, working this morning, and uh, and I was trying to think whether I'm incredibly disappointed, angry, understanding of the performance and result because of conditions and the conditions of the Premier League itself. Um disappointed at certain players performances or do I sum it all up and go and this is what I've thought and this is what I'm going to go with Rob I think it is apart from games in which Leicester have lost so I'm ruling out any game that I've seen Leicester lose against any class of opposition and I'm looking at say Millwall in the cup in 2017 I think this is possibly the worst game of football I have ever seen Leicester play, ever, in terms of quality, tempo, effort, speed, any incident whatsoever, and also devoid of what possibly some people could easily say of a lack of awareness of where they are in the league, the opposition that they're playing, and... The the severity, really,
0: of slipping out of Champions League positions. I can't disagree with anything you've just said, to be perfectly honest. It was virtually unwatchable at times. Now, I had it um, on the telly, and about half an hour into the game, um, somebody came round to give us a a quote for a bit of work we need doing on the house, and I was disappointed at the time. I thought, oh no, I'm going to miss 15-20 minutes of the game here while we have this chat. I came back after, uh, eventually, at the beginning of the second half, looked and caught up on the Twitter and the live text and whatever, realised I'd missed absolutely nothing, watched the next 45 minutes and realised, mm, nah, the bloke could have been giving me the quote for the rest of the second half, and I'd still have missed absolutely nothing. Um, it was it was difficult to watch because, like you say, there, there was no tempo, there, there didn't seem to be any great desire or urgency to win the game, and... It, the awareness of where we are in the, in the league is, it's obviously they're human they know where they are in the league um, but you would have hoped and we certainly hoped that that motivation to know that you win a few more games you keep that gap to fourth place uh, and you guarantee Champions League football next season regardless of whether or not fans are in the stadium regardless of whether or not you've had three months off that in itself should be the motivation that is strong enough to at least make you look like you want to win a game of football but apparently it wasn't i mean you could you can look at all of the factors the empty stadium the fact that it was a second game in in four or five days for for some players um off the back of a three month layoff um and the fact that it was a hot day as well and you could you could attribute all of those but having just watched the Watford game where nothing happened for ninety minutes anyway really then it can't just be put down to that there's you know, we, we need to see more ultimately.
1: We do. Where I watched it, I watched it around a uh, a friend's uh, back garden who had a, a huge TV and there were a, a, a smattering of people, all socially distanced and the right amount of people, etc. A Brighton fan, whose house it was, me, there was um, an, another Leicester fan as well and neutrals, basically. And everyone had the same opinion. Now, the Brighton fan basically was really happy with the result. Doesn't matter about anything to do with... Um, anything to do with performance because it's all about just points and staying up disappointed that they obviously missed the penalty but a good save by Schmeichel continues his good form quite a sharp save I thought it wasn't quite the terrible penalty as as maybe it was put across I thought it was a quite a smart sharp save but I take into account the weather and the situation that football is in at the moment And we knew instantly, as soon as the team news came through, and I'll just read you the team, Rob. Schmeichel, and then you have the back four, Justin Evans, Soyuncu and Chilwell, as you would imagine. And then the midfield of Gray with Madison, and then in the middle, Mendy, and then Didi, and uh, and then the two centre-forwards, Kelechi alongside Jamie Vardy. That's pretty much what it was. Give or take, move a few people around. You looked at that, and afterwards it was confirmed... That the plan was to hold, Brighton, try and score obviously, but to hold and then go with a more attacking lineup and, and the regulars. And if I just read out the the substitute, sixty eight minutes, Barnes and Tielemans and then Perez on in seventy four minutes, um, I think that plan was a a a decent plan to start with. You know, a, a plan where you go, okay, if that's that, if that's how we're going with things, and okay. But very early on, I looked at Brighton and went, they are a quite a lightweight side apart from their centre halves um, and and the and the giant uh, fullback. And in the game, they're a nice, technically decent side, but they're just kind of a nice team. So to not have technically good players in the centre of the park, I mean, Mendy played okay, but he played like. Papi Mendy, he misplaced a few tackles, miscontrolled the ball. He's playing Premier League football for the first time for a while. It's it, he played how we thought he would do. It was screaming out for someone to drop deep for either a Madison to drop deeper to to get the ball or someone like Tillemans. because you didn't have to you didn't have to run around a lot. You didn't have to make some uh, heavy tackles with a real combative giant midfield. A la say like a Stoke a few years ago, and at half time it was just plainly obvious it wasn't happening but to wait until 68 minutes 74 minutes and then to put a little bit of pressure on late on it was dreadful there was nothing in the second half when they had the first team on there was just no and I didn't want to say intensity but I'm going to say it because it's the it's the club word isn't it but lack of speed intensity um and energy and it's very easy to say that Leicester players have come back and they've been they're fit and they're raring to go. It's plainly not the case. That it really is plain because you don't play someone like Papi Mendy ahead of someone like Chowdhury unless he's had a knock. Um, we don't know that from behind the scenes. So whether that's the case, then fair play. But we will go on the case that it wasn't. Why is he playing? I don't understand. Um, I have been on record plenty of times saying I hate. When you play a team like that and then bring on your better players, as Leicester have done in years gone by in cup situations, play your best team, get in a position that you'll win in the game, and then if you want to rest players, take them off. That's the better way for doing it, that, that I think. And the whole point of this is the situation in the Premier League. Leicester in third place. They played one more game at the time of recording because there's games going to be kicking off as we're doing this podcast. Um, We are four points ahead of Chelsea. Again, we've played one game more than everyone else and we have a a lot better goal difference than all these teams. Four points clear of Chelsea. Um, We are currently ahead of Manchester United uh, by nine points, but they're playing uh, at home against Sheffield United. Uh, Wolves the same as well. Manchester United and Wolves fixtures are incredibly good if you're a supporter of those sides. Chelsea do have to play Manchester City next. And... They're, they must be looking at Leicester going, well, they're not going to pick up wins in the next few games. It was, it was a, a really poor performance. And I just thought Leicester would look at the league and go, here's a, a game against the Brighton side, who played well against Arsenal in their first game, got the results. Let's go for the kill early on. Get in front. Because... Brighton are a side who aren't really going to hurt you. If you're in front of the game, Leicester are a good enough team to keep the ball and protect maybe just a one-goal advantage. They are good enough to do that. Not go the other way round. I mean, the best thing that could have happened was the penalty go in. Maybe that would have kick-started Leicester into life and they would have had to have been more risky and maybe would have got the victory. Who knows? But... The awareness of the situation, I I really do worry for Leicester. When we said the other day on the previous podcast, there's going to be some teams who, if they start poorly, this could really snowball. And at the moment, Leicester are right towards the top of that list of teams who could really snowball out of control. Now, some people might be thinking, hang on, there's only two games been, <laughs> have gone and we've drawn both games. But the alarm bells in that game were ringing all over the place that second half the first half was was appalling but the second half with the full team on the field was disjointed um and just just the I hate to use lack of effort because obviously they do try and that's that is wrong but that's the term I'm going to use because that's what it looked like for me and it was just extremely extremely disappointing
0: it was um and you know, you you take it into context. It's two out of our remaining nine games of of the Premier League. It's quite a a large proportion of this mini season, if you like. And and if you're talking about form and momentum, then we've gone exactly the wrong way about finishing the season strongly and finishing the season on a high. Especially when you know the the other teams behind us, as you say, have got a more favourable looking fixture list. Um, and seem to have started more strongly uh, this this mini season, this restart, whatever you want to call it. It does put us in real danger of slipping outside of the top four, even outside of the top six, really. So, and the the, the worry, I say a worry. The the disappointing thing is that whatever you feel about this the starting lineup, and I'll give my opinion on that in a second. Um, The fact that when those players came on in the second half that we would consider to be first team regulars, the starters, if you like, the players that have got a bit of magic to unlock a defence, when they came on, things didn't drastically improve. It it did improve and we looked like we had more going forward and we caused a few more problems, but it, it didn't all of a sudden, we didn't all of a sudden start swarming Brighton when Tielemans, Barnes, and Perez came on. So if they'd have started if they if they couldn't do that in 20 25 minutes if they'd have started then there's very little chance they would have been able to do it in in the first 70 so that's um i don't want to use the word problem because we are only less than a well less than a week into the restart of the season from a Leicester perspective but it is um something that that certainly needs a, a quick improvement um the starting lineup not necessarily what I would have chosen, and, and I agree with your comments on certain individuals, particularly Papi Mendi. The ball always looks too big for him, don't you think? When, it, it, when he tries to control it, it looks like he's treading on it all the time, and when he tries to pass it, he never put enough zip on his pass. It, it almost looks like he's a, a little kid who should be playing with a size 3, and he's, he's ended up finding a size 5, or, or even a really heavy medicine ball or something. But I could understand it because it gave a freedom, well, in theory, having Mendy and Ndidi in the middle would have given a freedom to Madison, Gray, Vardy and Iheanacho to interlink, to chop and change. You know, Gray naturally would have played wider, Madison was coming inside, Um, Vardy or Iheanacho could have been running the channels with one staying central. It did offer the opportunity for more freedom up top, but we just didn't get the ball quickly enough into the final third to even cause Brighton any problems with that. Because you look at players like Gray, Madison, Vardy and Iheanacho, they should, with their pace and technicality for certain players, be able to pick apart defences in different ways. Um, But they just couldn't do it because they weren't being found. And that's because Mendy and Ndidi don't use the ball anywhere near as well as the other central midfielders at the club. Dennis Pratt clearly, for me, was not fit enough. To be on the bench because otherwise he would have played some part in that game. Because he is a proper box to box midfielder who you would certainly have started ahead of Mendy because he can do the ball winning in the midfield. And and I agree with your point there. He didn't didn't need an awful lot of physicality against a a fairly lightweight Brighton side. But he also uses the ball a lot better. And he would have been the perfect option in there if you want to add a bit more solidity to the centre of midfield. Um, Tielemans doesn't look like he's got back on the pace. Since Christmas, Chilwell looks very slow defensively. He's been absolutely smoked by um, wingers and fullbacks in both games so far. So there are things that need addressing him very, very quickly. I think the whole team, for me, looked lethargic.
1: Even the defenders, when passing the ball forward, or even just between them, slow. Uh, Justin, it, it was, for the penalty, it was unfortunate to hit the back of his heel, and it's one of those, isn't it? But it was just the whole team looked very, very slow and ponderous, created absolutely nothing. I thought when Telemans came on, at least he did start to pass the ball forward and and, and pass quicker, which you would expect compared to other midfielders. But they, they created absolutely nothing. And I go back to the point earlier about being the worst game i have ever seen. It's because of that. There's no golden chance. There's no chances created. There's no... I mean, the, the opposition must have gone back into the changing rooms, the... Centre-forward must have been unhappy that he's missed the penalty. But they must be looking at each other going, well, if these are top three, my Christ, you know. it's uh, It was just all-round really disappointing. And I would have presumed that Leicester would have taken the first game as it comes at Watford, everyone knowing it's the first game back. But really targeting in that first game at the King Power against Brighton to say, right, there's three points, there's the first team, Let's, let's get a win on our belts and then we'll readdress the squad situation when we play Chelsea in the FA Cup. Because whether the FA Cup becomes as important as it was when fans were allowed to go, who knows? And we'll discuss that in a bit when we preview the game. So if you if they decided as a squad and Brendan comes out and says, Look everyone, we've played our first team against Brighton. And we've won the game and we have going to take the decision that we are going to rest one or two players or three or four players against Chelsea in the FA Cup. It's something we wouldn't have done normally, but because of the situation, that's that I think a lot of people have gone, OK, I can understand, there we go. And then if someone like a Mendy or whatever, whoever plays against Chelsea, maybe. But to kind of get in a situation where they have to play their first team or else... You, if, if they can't go against Chelsea with a, a half a team or, or a, a, a weakened side, and if they get rolled by Chelsea or lose, then the the, the look the, the form continues. Bang goes that four 0 win against Aston Villa, and as I mentioned before, Manchester United and Wolves both have extremely favourable fixtures. We know that United drew against Spurs. They're going to play Sheffield United in a bit. Wolves have looked very good anyway and it, it it is worrying it it is worrying and it's worrying on a lot of parts things that I've mentioned already fitness for me looks a huge issue an absolutely huge issue um and also if I look at Rodgers who is obviously a tremendous manager etc but to wait until that long in the second half was well careless I think I know that Barnes and Tillimans actually stood on the sideline for probably about 5 minutes so the 68 minutes should have actually been probably 60 minutes or 62 but still nothing changed after half time why the the changes weren't made at half time and given a full half I have no idea I do, I do not understand also you're allowed 5 subs only 3 were made again what's that about I don't understand it's it is, quite frankly, alarming. And, and people are going to be listening to this now going, Pete's gone mad. The heat's got to him. It's only, two, it's only two games and they've drawn both games. But we could look back on this game in two or three weeks' time going, what were we doing against Brighton? It's the most easily forgettable game ever. And I think we'll probably stop talking about it once you've commented, Rob, because there's no point we can't go into it anymore because nothing actually bloody happened in the game. But I... I'm very concerned on about 10 different levels that I've listed down, which I've mentioned already. Not just the point, not just the lack of performance, but so many things, so many things. Managerial decisions, um, reserve players not taking opportunities, someone like Grace, someone like Mendy, both in shop windows. Um, fitness, absolutely everything. The only good thing was the King Power looked a picture didn't it the picture looked really nice and it was nice to see some flags out and all the the boards and the uh, covers for the seats That all the grounds I must say Old Trafford actually and many people would have uh, seen by now that looks a right picture with all the the fans pictures on the uh, the covers of the seats about 40,000 I reckon but everything looked nice and it was a lovely day and I had a few beers and it was nice to see some people for the first
0: time in in three months or so and uh, and there we go I'm glad to hear you're taking the positives from it. Uh, the final thing I'll say on it is the fact that we're, we've we not got a lot of time. It's not like this is the start of the season and it's players finding their feet, you know, new manager, new players, new tactics, whatever. This is Leicester at 31 games of the season. This is the what you would call an in inverted commas, the business end of the season. If this had happened, if we'd have been hitting this patch of form um, straight on the back of... If if lockdown didn't happen and this was happening uh, in March and early April, we'd be voicing similar concerns because we've worked... I say we, the team have worked very hard in the first half of the season, really, to build that cushion. Um, Let's remember at one point we were Liverpool's nearest title um, challenges and Manchester City uh, didn't leapfrog us all that long ago, uh, and we've been slowly sliding ever since. And and I hoped that this restart would be a chance for us to arrest that that sort of relative lack of form. Uh, I know that we had the four 0 win against Aston Villa, and it was unfortunate that the lockdown happened then because it that could have been the kickstart of the end of season momentum that we that we need to secure this third place. But if Chelsea win. They're only a point behind us, and there is no gap then. And these two games are massive opportunities missed. And for whatever reason, whatever happened on the pitch or decisions that were made or what has and hasn't been happening in preparation and training for the games during lockdown is you know is by the by, really. It's, they're, they're, those are the facts that the gap doesn't exist anymore, and we're in a real battle to to maintain our place in, in, not only in third, but in, in terms of a, a Champions League qualification place as well. Now, I know we're going to move forward and talk next about the upcoming Chelsea game and the FA Cup. Um, I want to pose you a question, Pete. Um, as as it is at the moment, bear in mind that, that supporters can't get to stadiums uh, and you, you'd struggle really to get into a scenario where you could... Watch games with any with a, with a considerable size group of people outside of the stadium. You know, for example, in a pub. Although they are reopening, it will be socially distanced. So, for that reason, what would you put most of your emphasis on as a as a goal for the last month or two of the season? Now, would you prioritize the FA Cup, or would you sacrifice the FA Cup to guarantee Champions League qualification?
1: I would um, prioritise the FA Cup because I don't think it matters. I don't. I really don't think it matters. There's been a su- sufficient gap compared to Chelsea. Chelsea remember play on Thursday, and the game against Chelsea is on Sunday, four o'clock. So Chelsea have issues there. They have a huge squad anyway, but for Leicester, I don't think it matters regarding players who play on Sunday because there is such a big gap from the game against Brighton um, I don't think they can't do anything but play their first team mainly because they need to be in form. they need game time um, now what happens then to the next game against Everton away on Wednesday put my hands in the hair and go right we'll, we'll see what happens but they need to play their first team the absolute first team that they can put out against Chelsea and go with it and I think that's what Chelsea will do as well I think Chelsea will will look at the situation, depending on what happens against Man City. Actually, no, I don't think it actually matters what happens against Man City. I think Chelsea will look at the situation and go, we are still in a very good position to qualify for the Champions League and we really want to go and win the FA Cup. I think they'll be playing their first team with a view of maybe getting in front and making a few changes. Leicester have to do it. They have to go with their first team. Now, if they were in the position where they got a point at Watford and they beat Brighton, say, then things could possibly change. They they could be in a situation where they're so far clear in the Champions League places, then yes, you play your first team. Or depending on injuries or what whatever happens, people will will go with it. But at the moment, no, they they need to go full out for that win. There's there's absolutely no reason it's the quarterfinals, the FA Cup, but also, you know, Vardy he, he barely touched the ball. What was it in the first half? Once or the first thirty-five minutes? Touch the ball once. Absolutely ridiculous. They need they need to get going. Will it help playing against better opposition? It might well. It might well. And you look at the fixtures, Everton away on Wednesday, and then they've got home games still against what Palace and, and Bournemouth. So yes, alarm bells are starting to be closely monitored in terms of pressing the button to sound them. But there are still a few games where you could easily say Leicester fully wound up should win. But at the moment, being fully wound up is so far away from what's happening with this side at the moment. So
0: they have to play their first team against Chelsea. They have to. You personally, then, um, we talk all the time on the podcast about the FA Cup uh, and the fact that Leicester have never won it. And I don't think sometimes supporters of other clubs don't really understand it because they, they just assume that a club of our history and stature as at some point in some decade won the FA Cup. So what, what, what is most important to you to achieve from the season? Let's say I could only give you one of the two. I could only either give you champions league qualification or an FA Cup win. Which one would you choose? I would, I've always gone with the
1: trophy. I would have always gone with the trophy and do you know what it's so much on a knife edge now that you ask me one day to the next and it might change I was on the Anfield route the other day and I said the FA Cup because this question was exactly posed to me and as I sit here now thinking about the bigger situation at the club the way that we're going to be moving into a new training ground the fact that football and it sounds unbelievably dreadful to say it but like the economics of football is going to be hit by what's happening at the moment. Champions League qualification is a massive thing for Leicester. We saw that the other year and how it affected the finances and what then happened afterwards. The signings of of, of you know Perez and Madison and and players who have really lit up the first team. Uh, Soyuncu Evans, everyone who who was signed, you can really go back to uh, the the input of and the the input of money from the Champions League run Champions League football is a huge thing now and I then look really personally at it and go I can't go to Wembley for the semi-final and I can't go to the final and watch it so probably the Champions League because being just completely selfish I can't go to Wembley to watch Leicester lift the FA Cup will it be any less of an achievement winning the FA Cup no, absolutely not. Whoever does. I don't think... All the stuff about Liverpool winning the league and it's being demeaned because of the season away... Garbage. Absolute nonsense. They would have won it in a couple of games anyway. Um, and whatever happens at the end of the season happens, that's fine. The way the Premier League finishes is the way the Premier League finishes and nothing's taken away from any team. I firmly believe that. The problem is the FA Cup. Whoever wins the FA Cup, uh, does it mean anything less? no you've still won the trophy does it mean less for a supporter Christ alive yes it is of course it does because you can't go it would have been one of the best days if Leicester went to Wembley and won the FA Cup this year it would have been one of the best days was it a really warm day actually on on FA Cup final day the scheduled day I think it was I think it was during the um the nice spell of weather we had but um so yeah just being completely selfish and around the houses about six times Champions League it is
0: a it is a tricky conversation to have either with other people or with yourself though isn't it because there are so many factors involved um if you if you do qualify for the Champions League this season then there is that influx of uh, influx of cash which would uh, obviously our owners aren't aren't hard up for cash at all but every, everybody and everything has been hit economically um but you would imagine that something like the Champions League would still generate um, the revenue next season. Their anticipated revenue would still be would still be as high, if not even higher, you know, because people have a real appetite for football coming back properly. Um, and, you know, by then possibly spect- some spectators might be allowed to watch some games or something, you never know. So in terms of UEFA, the Champions League and the sponsors, etc., the money in- and, and the TV rights, the money involved is... is Possibly, I mean, I mean, we know nothing about football finances, but possibly going to be as high um, as it has been in recent years. So you can't underestimate the, the the benefit that that can have on the club, especially the expenditure that's gone out recently in terms of the, the training ground, etc. Um, I'm sure the owners would, would like to qualify for the Champions League for the status, but also for a bit of cash to help fund that. Um, it would massively enhance our position in the transfer market both financially but also from a reputation point of view because you can say look you'll be coming and you'll be playing champions league football if you win the fa cup but don't qualify for the champions league what does that get you europa league qualifying or something you can't guarantee uh, european football it would mean that you've had a bit of a slide towards the end of the season and you've finished what let's say seventh or eighth we're a much less attractive proposition there so if you're looking at it from a a financial and a longer-term success point of view, you can almost sit here and say, I would sacrifice the FA Cup, in addition to the fact that the sentimentality of it is slightly reduced to the fact that you can't actually physically go to Wembley should we make the FA Cup final. But it makes sense to make to, to make it to the Champions League because ultimately then you bring better players into the club, you're playing at a higher level, And you have a better chance of longer term success where a top four finish is or even possibly a title challenge is possible year on year. In which case you naturally become one of the strongest and and biggest clubs in the country, which means that you're more often than not going to be competing at the better end of the FA Cup anyway. So it gives you more of a chance in the future. It's not like it's being sort of snatched away. And the FA Cup is a series of one-off games and these ones in particular pretty much behind closed doors. It's not really going to be an FA Cup quarterfinal or really going to be an FA Cup semi-final in many ways in terms of the sort of spirit of the cup, etc. So I think there are a lot of things pointing towards I would prefer Champions League, which is ridiculous because I've... I can remember being a Leicester supporter for the last 25 years, and every year I've wanted to win the FA Cup, but every year we haven't. And yet here I am for the first time contemplating, well, I wouldn't actually mind if it meant we qualify for the Champions League. I echo
1: every single one of them thoughts. And when I said earlier, I was on the, uh, the Anfield wrap, but uh, when they kept on referring to Leicester, they kept on referring to them as modern Leicester. And at one point they stopped and said, hang on, we're not... Um, you know, taking the mickey, really. I says, no, you're exactly right. It is modern Leicester. If Leicester finish in the top four, it would more than likely go down as probably the second best ever season in the history of the club. Granted, they finished second in the top flight late 20s. And then the, if you go back to listen to our lockdown podcasts, you'll hear about the Ice Kings, for example, and what happened there. But this more than likely, in, in, in the terms of how football has progressed, if Leicester finish in the top three, four, and qualify for the Champions League, that is the second best season in the club's history and the best season will never be better. If Leicester win the league next year, it still won't be as good as what happened in 2016. The only other thing I would add to that, Rob, is Leicester are slap bang in the centre of the Premier League in terms of ratio of revenue on a matchday experience and how much that matchday revenue generates in a percentage combined with all the input of money from sponsorship and TV especially they, they are right bang in the middle so the lack of fans and we don't know what's going to happen next season um, is going to hit Leicester in a mid-table position in the Premier League compared to somewhere like an Arsenal who make umpteen millions through um, posh seats and whining and dining and all sorts and that they generate on a match day Tottenham as well uh, but with Leicester, they're halfway up, so qualifying for the Champions League, because they will be financially hit along with a lot of other clubs, means a lot more. The the the, the addition of, what, let's just say 70-odd million, 80 million, was it 90 in fact, by getting to the quarter-finals, the addition of that would be more significant now than it was back in 2017-2018 in when they got the money from their Champions League run. And it's, it is bad to be talking in those ways because, you know, we are, as Leicester fans, more dreamers than most of the fans because of their record in the FA Cup. And we've said it a, a billion times regarding we want them to win the FA Cup. And I'll take that over a lot of things. But uh, but there we go. And it could all change because we're only three games away. We're quarterfinals against Chelsea on Sunday, semi finals against who knows who, whenever that is. And then maybe the final. So the fact that we're only three games away, they, they don't really need to play a, a half a team. You know, it is only three games and getting back to the the football itself. um, It's going to be difficult. I remember the game pre lockdown when we played Chelsea and the, and Leicester Drew, it was a really good game, wasn't it? At the King power. And they, there were two very well matched sides. Both. I thought played very well. Um, a draw was probably the right result overall in the game. Leicester were disappointed not to win. Uh, the atmosphere was really good as well. I remember going as a fan rather than doing the commentary job that uh, that that we do at the King Power. So it was a bit bit different. You kind of noticed the fans more. So the fact that it was a good atmosphere that was the personal opinion. People who go all the time might actually say, "Oh, it was it was average." But. Um, it was a really good game, so it, I, I can't see any reason why it shouldn't be again on Sunday. But you just look at the two, the form of both sides. Um, Chelsea, they beat a very, very poor Villa. They are a desperately bad team, aren't they, Aston Villa? And they didn't really get out of second gear, so you can't really take an awful lot from that game. Um, the game against Man City, I think, is going to have a huge... Advantage to Leicester because it's so close to the game on Sunday, and the last team you want to be playing is Manchester City, so that has to be a positive for Leicester. How the game's going to go, I think it's probably the most difficult game ever for anyone to ever preview because you have absolutely, Rob, absolutely no idea who's going to play for Leicester, you've got no idea who's going to play for Chelsea. You've got no idea how Leicester are going to turn up on the day because they've been so poor and you expect them to click at some point, but will they? The crowd aren't going to get involved because they're not there. You don't know how Chelsea are going to play because of their priorities and who they're going to play and the fact that they're going to play four days prior or three days prior against Man City. So to predict the game
0: is practically impossible on every front. So essentially, this section of the podcast uh, that we would probably loosely label a preview of the upcoming game is absolutely useless. Uh, but I, no, I do agree there is there is not an awful lot to work off uh, in terms of even beginning to suggest a starting lineup because um, obviously Brendan Rodgers knows the fitness of the players better than anybody else, and you know if it was mid-season um, or even if it had happened when it should have happened you'd have had a good idea of who's been starting most of the Premier League games. You'd know the relative fitness and involvement of some of the more fringe or squad players, and you would be able to suggest or earmark a few of those to come in in place of certain other players that you might think maybe need a rest or are lacking a bit of form or whatever. But at the moment, it's, it's a case of do you put in... A few of the others who haven't had a go yet. You know, I, I would imagine somebody like Dennis Pratt's going to feature um, because he's one of the senior pros that we haven't actually seen on the field of play yet. Um, but apart from that, you d- I don't really know how they're going to approach it. And I'm hoping, really, rather than previewing, that it will be um, uh, Leicester's best performance since lockdown, uh, that it will be a relatively entertaining game because I think obviously Chelsea beat Villa and Villa aren't very good at all um, but I think they are naturally a more able and more fearsome opposition than Brighton or Watford so I think that mentality will already give Leicester an extra couple of percent in terms of springing the step in terms of to use the, use the Puel phrase again intensity um, But also then if Chelsea come and play well and and start bringing the game to us, there's another natural inner desire to match that Um, and and they'll have to 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 avoid getting absolutely trounced. So hopefully those, those two little elements will add a bit more bite to the Leicester players and a bit more sharpness and purpose to their forward play because... Goodness me, we need it. We do. And, and to be honest, Rob, I'm
1: watching at the same time as, as listening to you, um, Sky Sports in the corner, and they're previewing the games as we're recording, Man United, Sheffield United, Villa are playing, and they're showing loads of clips from the different games, and it is very similar, and I'd imagine an awful lot of podcasts have been going along the same lines of what we've been talking about in terms of the, the, the lack of perceived efforts and the slowness of the games. It is quite apparent it's happened through... Out the Premier League, maybe Man City apart, but they're just such a good team. It was always going to be the case, um, but I think it, it it it's more than that with Leicester. I I after watching plenty of the football, I, I still classify Leicester as being really right up there in the very poor performances so far, alongside say a West Ham and a uh, and uh, and certainly a Villa. But um, yeah, I. I would like to see someone like Hamza Chowdhury play. I don't know whether it was, and maybe this has been released and it bypassed me. It's it probably is the case, but um, I, I can't for the life of me understand why he didn't play on on uh, the other day again. If that's the case, it's been released. Why then? There we go. But hand in the air. But I would play him. I would play him with Ndidi in midfield because it might sound daft, but a good strong challenge. Uh, even a late challenge that the hustling and Harry and, and and the quickness of his him closing down, um, hopefully it might just add something to the Leicester performance early on, or maybe if if we go behind, it's I would just like to see a bit more energy in that midfield. I, not nothing against Wilf at all. It's just I would like to maybe see him play. That's a personal thing, and then going further forward, probably the lineup as it would have been normally. Apart from one thing, and that's I would m- probably play, and I know Madison has played slightly out wide before, but you would normally have Vardy up top with Barnes one side, and maybe a-, a Perez the other side. Um, I I would maybe like to see Madison one side instead of Perez, and then push Tielemans further forward from his midfield slot into that number ten role, which I still think he's best playing. Uh, that's probably the way I would go knowing that you can easily change things around by pushing Tillemans back into midfield and then having Madison in his usual place bringing on, say, a Perez if they need to chase the game. But that's personally, that's what I'd like to see because I think Yuri Tillemans in this level of football, and I say that in terms of pace of game and and, and, the, and the warm conditions and, and the way football has restarted, I think his quality um, would shine regardless of his fitness we know he's okay because he's played and he's started and he's come on so it's not like he's carrying a, a huge injury which is why he's not playing if he is you know lacking match fitness then playing him in a number 10 role would be a, an awful lot better than than in a midfield role alongside Wilfrin and Didi so and I just think if the games are slightly slower then those more creative players like a um should actually shine a bit more because they should, should get them all I and mean, it's, it's it's all it's slightly slower so the game should be slightly easier for them um, that's what I think so I would go with the first team against them but with maybe Chowdhury in midfield and Tieleman's push further forward
0: Yeah I think the problem we've got is we started with Mendy and Ndidi and that meant that we couldn't play the ball through the middle so uh, Chowdhury is better on the ball than Mendy don't get me wrong but he, he's still more renowned for his industry and his physicality rather than his technicality. Uh, but I, I do agree with you. I would I would like to see Chowdhury starting there because he'll give you some bite. Maybe he'll start um, in the Wilfred and role, give Ndidi a bit of a, a rest possibly and start Dennis Pratt because he is um, will be much nearer match fitness um, for the Chelsea game than he was last night for the um, for the Brighton game. Um I'd also be tempted. I know. I know we're saying that start the first team, and I, and I do agree with that for the most part. But I'd also be tempted to bench Madison. Not not any slight against the way he's performed. He's he's tried to get involved in games, and we know sometimes things just don't come off for him. He's that he's that kind of player. Um, but I'd be tempted to put him on the on the bench to start with. Go with Barnes down one side and Perez down the other, and Vardy through the middle. And and, ju- and 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 I, I would support your idea, really, to have Tielemans in the number 10 role, because I always think if you take away a little bit of the responsibility that he's got in the centre midfield, then he can spend more time worrying about how he's going to unlock the defences uh, and less time worrying about the fact that he's got to track back, track his man, hold his position. If you give him a bit of a free roll and say, just go and get involved, then... I think we see the best of his creativity. But I think what, what has to happen, regardless of who plays, is we have to look to move the ball forward a little bit quicker. And if that means taking more of a risk in the opposition's half to try and play a slightly more ambitious forward pass, rather than coming back to Sion two and Evans, who must be sick of the ball, by the way, then then so be it sacrifice that, risk losing possession a couple of times in the opposition half because the potential gains of that are much higher than going back to Suanchu and Evans. So, I think we just need to force the issue a little bit more. Chances are, if Chelsea want to play and want to take control of the game, it, it will work in our favour. I know it's not the tactic that Brendan Rodgers likes to employ, he likes Leicester to be in control of the ball and Leicester to be in control of the game but I really still think a lot of these players would benefit from not having as much of the ball and having five or ten yards more room if the opposition have pressed up to work in and and to break with a little bit more pace because we look devoid of ideas as to how to unlock teams that manage to get bodies between them and, and their goal and that Ultimately, is why Bar Chilwell spanked it into the top corner in the ninety-first minute. And we failed to score since football came back.
1: I I would agree with that. If they, if they rest Madison and play Perez, then that's yeah, absolutely fine. Um, I wouldn't say the issues against Brighton or or maybe not holding on or or scoring earlier, maybe against Watford. I don't think it's anything down to Madison per se. It was uh, it was one of Another nine players, you'd say, apart from Schmeichel, who who weren't on the ball at all against Brighton. But if that's the case of putting him on the bench and playing Perez, not, not a problem at all. And then what happens after that is, again, anyone's guess, when it gets to the game against Everton. Because just like every game, you'd have to readdress the situation regarding injuries. But that would be more apparent now because going from Sunday to Wednesday, not a quick turnaround at all. Sorry, a very quick turnaround, so not enough, a lot of time to recover. And uh, and there would be a plan, and they would already be marking down the team for Everton if everything goes to plan against Chelsea. And the game becomes very important, regardless of the results against Chelsea, whether they progress to the semi-finals or not. The game against Everton is massively important. Now, hopefully, we get a help from the likes of Sheffield United playing Manchester United or or whoever plays Wolves. I think it's Bournemouth. So nothing's really going to come there, is it? But um, Everton, a difficult game. I I would like, again, the first team to play against Everton, a side who aren't really playing for an awful lot at all. And hopefully we'll be just going through the motions. They had the big Merseyside derby, which was an appalling game as well. But um, they might once say have one foot on the beach because whether they're going to be able to go or not is another thing it's um they're a very interesting club they're playing i believe away at norwich and that will be a very telling game for how i think they're going to play against leicester because if they lose to norwich they might be given a bit of a uh, going over by angelotti but even if it's just a, a standard mundane draw or or even if they just lose by the odd goal but they play kind of okay. I, I, I What I'm saying is I can't see Everton really turning up and being a completely fully committed side. And I think it's a very good chance for Leicester to go there and get something. Early goals are playing a massive role in these games mainly because there isn't any. All the goals are in the second half if there is any goals of most of the games. Another reason why I can't understand teams really going for it early on and getting in front because surely if the game becomes quite slow it's 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 easier to hold on to a lead and I think that Leicester will hopefully go to Goodison Park and understand that, understand the position that Everton are in and go for the game early because we're the team with something to play for regarding just playing for the fans and to earn your money. We are the side who has something to play for. We're more than good enough to go to Everton and win. And I think they can. I really I really think they can, regardless of what happens against Chelsea. Win and carry the confidence onto on Everton. If they lose, then they go to Everton, really, with their tail between their leg, hopefully being given a thick ear by the manager, and they turn up and put in a performance. But whatever the case is, I really remarkably, after saying it's the worst game I've ever seen Leicester play, apart from ones
0: that have lost, I actually
1: am quite confident about the game at Goodison. One
0: one thing is for sure, we do need to, to start building some momentum and very, very quickly, otherwise we'll be looking back at things in five or six weeks and think, and wondering what might have been. Um, to, moving, segueing from what might have been to what could be, um, papers and strong reports from some reputable sources saying that... Um, Leicester are front row to sign William Carvalho from uh, Real Betis. Which, if we take the context of the last couple of games and this what we've talked about in this podcast into account, he would have slotted right into that midfield alongside Wilfred and Didi yesterday against Brighton as a midfielder who doesn't mind holding his position and sitting a bit deeper, but with actual passing ability. Um, 28 years old, loads of European experience, um, Euro, European Championship winner with Portugal. He is exactly the kind of signing we should be looking at, Pete, isn't he?
1: He is. The, the reports are interesting because we don't normally comment on just, i say baseless rumours, but small rumours that go around all the time. But these rumours are very, very strong. I would also counter them with one or two very reputable sources who say it's not the case as well. Um, So we'll kind of put our hands in the air, but I can understand why a player like him would be on Leicester's radar for exactly the position that you said, the fact that Mendy will be leaving the club, and also the likes of, say, Andy King, who's going, and Matty James is probably not really going to feature. So it's a player who would fit the mould of a, uh, of a position that we need but also with that European experience he's been linked uh, year after year really we've moved to the Premier League for very clubs in the top six top eight and it would just be you know a sensible move I mean you look at some of the players we've had you know Abora, uh Silver, etc and and you kind of go back to them and think, well, actually, yeah, they would be really good no, now, you know, and Andre Silva would be uh, just the sort of player we could actually do with in midfield. But it would be a good quality signing and someone that Leicester would need next season for all fronts, but especially for European football. And again, qualification for the Champions League. The FA Cup means diddly squat to him. If Leicester win the FA Cup, very good, but that means nothing. Qualifying for the Champions League, that means everything. That means that Leicester can buy players like him. And we're in the conversation with players moving from, say, the Bundesliga, from Portugal, whoever, to Leicester. And that's all about Champions League football. And I think that's why we dipped for Champions League rather than the FA Cup. But uh, do I think he's a good player? Again, he's been linked with so many. uh, I would call out any single person now unless you are an avid watcher of football from uh, Portugal uh, to say that he's an excellent player is he quality he's obviously a very good player because of the career he's had so far and is it slightly worrying he's been linked with everyone under the sun and he's not moved to him well not really because there's there's all sorts of reasons why that might not be the case that he's moved Um, but he does fit the profile of of a type of player that we do need and his signing could easily be, easily be based on Champions League football. In fact, I would probably go as far, Robert, to say these rumours, if they are true, and again, they are quite strong as well, again, along with one or two others, it could be the case that a deal might be on the, on the table and it's the green light for go if Leicester qualify. That could be the case. So... I think a lot of those are currently taking place because the the transfer window is going to be very, very tight. So I think a lot of business is probably going on behind the scenes right now and a lot of players are kind of going to go in, yes, I will join Leicester, for example, uh, but it depends on Champions League football. So it becomes even more important.
0: And ultimately, he doesn't care if Leicester have just won the FA Cup because he's not won the FA Cup, he doesn't get the honour. So the Champions League then is, is the big draw. I think if you read what has been... Um, published so far it seems that there is an agreement in principle with his representatives him you know whoever represents him uh, but nothing between the two clubs so you're probably right Pete that that approach has been made that conversation's been had uh, and it probably has got a massive clause in it saying if Leicester qualify for the Champions League so we better start picking up some results quick. Yeah, we're best, and uh, so okay then. To finish
1: the pod, I mean, I, I will. I've got one thing written down because I sat in the garden and uh, for Fox Eight HQ, and I wrote down that we've got Chelsea Sunday, FA Court fourth round. Chelsea play Man City on Thursday in the league. We've got Everton away Wednesday. Um, speed, intensity, in brackets. Claude Puel. Uh worst Leicester performance I've ever seen. With the uh, the the asterisk next to it, which we mentioned earlier. Also the league table, and I've got one last thing, and it says sleepwalking into a final four game dash, and I think that's fairly accurate, really, and that's kind of sums it up, isn't it? At the moment, as a football club, we are sleepwalking into two games, maybe the last four, maybe a perceived easy game, say against Bournemouth at home. And then you got Manchester United and Tottenham. Are we sleepwalking into that final few
0: game dash for Champions League places? That's what that's what's happening at the moment. Quite probably, uh, more than likely, uh, it wouldn't be like Leicester to do it the easy way, would it? You know, it, on paper they should have been looking at this, going right. We've got nine. We've got a nine game season with a five point cushion, where. So, you basically, you get a five-point head start, which gives you room for manoeuvre, and you've got to win X amount of your nine games to, to qualify for the Champions League. It's a nine-game season to qualify for the Champions League with a five-point head start. If that wasn't enough motivation, then we're struggling. But, you know, football is, is one of those things, especially with the lack of crowd urging you on, where we are probably going to get to the point where we desperately need the result and the points because we're in a, a shootout, um, which ultimately will be a whole lot more interesting and entertaining to watch than Leicester nil, Brighton nil last night.
1: We'll just mention the dream team um, in the fancy football. My tactic of last time, changing every single player to either, for the, for the two games, you know, the, the, the two first two games... Uh, were what Sheffield United, Villa and Arsenal and Manchester City. So they played twice in that game week. So I changed my entire side to contain players from those four clubs. That didn't work because they were very, very poor. Sheffield United away at Newcastle. And also one or two players didn't play. So I've gone for the free hit this week, which means that you can change your entire side and uh it won't take any points off you you basically get unlimited transfers to that whole week so i've changed my side but in terms of the league uh currently i am in 20th place which is basically pretty much where i was in the first place anyway so after all that effort and all the wild cards i've not gone anywhere rob you've down two places uh, you're in 22nd at the time of recording this is and you're only one point behind me so again nothing's really changed and we're not too far we could do with a few points Rob we're we're a couple of good weeks off getting into that top 10.
0: I climbed to 17th actually I had a decent week I got 85 points last week which was reasonable considering I hadn't actually looked at my fantasy team and I completely forgot to do it I have now selected my team for this particular game week and just watch it be 10 times worse than it was when when I accidentally scored 85 last week but We'll see. Yeah, we're not too far away. I think that that position is really reflective of our message through this podcast is the fact that we kind of know what we're talking about sometimes, but we're definitely not anywhere near top of the league. I think that sums it all up. Right,
1: prediction time, Rob. Uh, prediction for the game against Chelsea in the FA Cup quarterfinals and then Everton away on Wednesday nights. I um, I t- I tell you what, I want to go for 2-1 Leicester against Chelsea. I'm going to go for... Leicester against Everton. I can see Leicester beating Everton. I really can. What happens on Sunday? I think it's going to be a better game than we've seen. I think there's going to be a lot more tempo to it because of the poor game so far. But also, I think the FA Cup might just lift that pressure off and let both sides play with a little bit more freedom. And I think it's going to be an entertaining game. And I think Leicester will win. I can see us getting to the semi-finals. I can see us beating Chelsea.
0: Uh two goals to one on Sunday. And then I think we can beat Everton two nil on Wednesday. I'm desperate for an entertaining game that involves Leicester City, so I'm going three two Leicester for the Chelsea game. Um I think Everton did a good job of stifling Liverpool and Ancelotti is 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 trying to get them more organised and, and playing in a way that he wants them to play next season, you know, when he's got a bit more time. So I'm gonna go one nil for the Everton game. We'll take both of those, definitely. Right,
1: Leicester, they're currently sleepwalking into a final four-game dash. Can someone please wake them up?